0: Uh, Mentioned that we have the privilege of hearing from one of our elders this morning speaking. That was uh, great. Jim McGuire. So Jim's going to preach uh, this morning and bring the word. Give Cliff a break. Cliff's a new grandfather. I don't know if you guys knew that. So uh, and no. uh, um, he just needs more margin to figure out how to accommodate that into his life. So anyway, we've created space. Uh, and so Jim's going to preach. Um, and we're glad for that. Jim, as you, many of you know, he's a uh, by day, a fifth grade teacher, and uh, um, what I preached, some of the things I appreciate about Jim uh, one is just his life of devotion to Jesus, uh, his shepherd's heart for uh, people and the community of faith and people around him, his heart to tell the story of God to people that are around him uh, and invite them to consider uh, the wonder of uh, Jesus and. Uh, In just his his thoughtful reflection on Scripture. So it's a privilege for us to be able to listen uh, to Jim and be brought into uh, the reflections that God's given him about the Word today. So I want to pray specifically for you and thank Thank God for you, Jim. Thank you. So, Lord, we're grateful for our friend, our brother, and we pray today, God, you give him um, your joy as he preaches and give us uh, ears to hear your Word. Amen.
1: Amen. I love that song. Thanks, Chad. Hallelujah. Glory to our great God. I start singing that song, and it always makes me somewhat cry. In 1978, I uh, preached my first sermon. Some of you are going, hey, you don't look that old. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, It was at a CMA church. Well, <laughs> you'll have to tell me that comment later. Um, it was about Jesus and how he ripped open the curtain that uh, was between the holy place and the holy of holies. And how all of the different things in, in the tabernacle were uh, representative of Jesus. And as I was this morning thinking about this sermon, I thought, you know, there's a place where when people walked into that Holy of Holies, they died. There was no access, not possible. Angels cover themselves in their faces. They're not allowed to look at God. God is great. He is so great no, I can see. And I'm really not sure, after reading the Bible for, what is that? What are we going on here? 50 years? Studying it? I can't really say that. I don't think that any being has ever seen him directly. That's who the God that we are singing to. Is he great? Yes. He is so great that no eye can see. So, what does that mean to us? And I'm thinking, this is the same theme that I'm trying to get at that I had gotten at so long ago. I'm going to use an old word, but I think it fits. I'm enchanted. I'm enchanted with God. Usually you think of enchanting, you go, ooh, that sounds a little, you know, New E.G. kind of a thing. But it's an old word, and they used to talk about divine enchantment. And so that's really what I'm trying to talk about today, is being enchanted by God. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, and I'm enchanted by him every day. So, um, I will say this sermon is a lot like witnessing to others. We talk about things, we give as whatever words we feel that God has led us to give them, and we walk away, going, Lord, use what you can. And this sermon's a lot like that. Use what you can, Lord, to maybe. Uh, speak to someone. But I will tell you, the sermon notes are not, um, those were given to Cliff a while back. And so you may need to rearrange that. We may want to start on this backside of the notes. So I'm sorry that they're kind of um, out of order somewhat, but please be flexible with me. Um, I've shortened some of the passages, uh, biblical passages, uh, for time for time's sake and for our slides. Um so let's jump in. How's life going for you guys this week? How's life been? Has it been hard? Has it been hard this week? Some of us? Yeah, some of us have two hands up. That's like I'm just lucky to be here. <laughs> I understand that. Um So the rest of you guys are like, Hey, we're having a great week. No? Yeah, maybe? So, I don't know. I love this picture. This is the best picture, and I think of this often. Who's on top of the water? The one that created the water is standing on top of the water, on the surface, waiting to rescue us from our situations, our predicaments, and things. He rescues us. I love that. Do you feel like you maybe have no purpose? Do you feel that way at all? Yeah? You have a purpose. God has you here for a reason. Um, he's just waiting for you. His hand is below the water. Some of us feel like we're underwater. And he will pull us out. Some of us feel maybe a dryness to life. Maybe life is not so exciting. Maybe there's a change of life station. And if that's the case, he's there to rescue you. Maybe you're anxious or worried about something. There's big changes going on in your life. But what do do we really spend most of our time doing? Yeah, pretty much that. We spend our time looking down at the work, at the problems at our devices. I wonder if we could really track the time (laughs) that we spend on our devices. I think that would be eye-opening for us, wouldn't it? It's incredible. Now, there was a time when I was first, um, you know, working, and what would you get? You would get like a memo in your box maybe once a week, maybe a phone call every now and then. That was it. That's all there was. You remember that? Yeah. And then what did we do? We did our jobs. Right? Now everyone's going, hey, yeah, you're right. Well, what happened? Well, they brought in this box. They put it on your desk. The the computer, those of you that are younger, you're going, I don't know what he's talking about. Um... Yeah, they brought in this box, this computer, they put it on your desk. I call it the devil box. Yeah. I think it can drive you crazier than anything else so quickly. How does it do that? It's like magic. I don't know. But anyway, they put that on there, and then they started this emailing thing to each other. And no one really paid attention to it. They were still waiting for the memo to come in their boxes or get a phone call or something, right? But as time got, has gone by, we've all kind of gotten on it, and then we're all emailing. So, you know, I was hoping that Chuck Carota would be here. Um, sorry that he's not. Um, you know, principals sit in their offices, and they come up with some ideas, and then they whip out this memo, and, you know, and now they whip out a, 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 an a email, and they send it off, and then most of the time it's just an idea. And one guy told me a long time ago, he says, hey, listen, when they get one idea, don't worry about it, just go about, keep teaching, keep doing your job, but if you get a second memo on the same thing, then you've got to pay attention to it. And he was in the military, and, 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 and that was very wise, uh, wise advice. And so I started taking that advice. But now with the email, you could take one and you, know, you could pop out this, this email to everybody on campus, Right. And then another teacher is sitting in their, um, in their room, and they're going, hey, I've got this brilliant idea. And then pretty soon another email comes. How many emails do you get in a day? Hundreds. And then we sit there and go, we come home dragging ourselves in the door, and we're going, I am exhausted. I've got not, I, the, my tank. It's running. <laughs> I'm on empty. And we wonder what happened. It's nice and gradual, isn't it? just gradually taking over your life. And then, no, we can't stop there. No, no, no. We need one of these things. Yeah. Well, not only do we have one of these things, that then what happens? Well, it brings work home with us. Yeah. I want to hear about 500 people's ideas that, are they really worth your time? Are you really willing to give up what's really important? It, I guess to make my point, maybe this would be the best story. Um, I had a principal that would come to me every um, uh, springtime, and she would say, well, we're going to have this training over the summer. And I'd love you to come. And I looked at her, and I said, can't do it. And then she would go, okay. She, every, and then one, one time, she asked me that, and I said, No. And then I was in my room and she came down to my room. Now, that's really unusual because I'm in a portable on the back 40. And I mean, she really has got to get out there. And, and so she comes in my room. And she goes, hey, I really want you to come to this. I said, you know what? Let me ask you a question. I said, when I die, are you going to be holding my hand and 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 being there with me while I die? And she looked at me and she said, No. I said, you know, you're right, but the people that are going to be holding my hand and are going to be around me, those are the people I got to take care of, and I'm taking care of that relationship during the summer, and you're asking me to steal from them so that I can do what you want me to do. And she looked at me, and she goes, hmm, I hadn't thought of it that way before, and then off she went. And I'm sure that she walked out thinking, he's kind of an odd duck. And I'm thinking, God's people are odd people, no doubt about it, because we're marching to a different drum than what you are. That's what he calls us to. We are different. So now we have this device, and it's added this. I don't know about you, but has it added to your frustration? How many of you has it added to your frustration? How about you? the overwhelmingness to it? Anybody feel overwhelmed? And just a few hands. Obviously, the rest of you don't have devices at all. Praise God. Way to go, people. Stand up. Keep, leave those devices out of your lives. That's fantastic. I, you know, Don over here, he's gone Well, I'm retired. So, you know, no, I'm only going to talk to family and do, you know, the Facebook thing with the family members. I think that's great. And you know what? I think it's fantastic. We could use the devices for God's glory and staying in touch with each other. I think that is great. But here's something I think you ought to write down. Are you ready? I wish I had this up on my slide. I really don't. But I want you to think about this Satan beguiles us with technology. Satan beguiles us with technology. And you're going, hold on, what's. Some of you are going, hey, you know, that's a word I'm unfamiliar with. Well, beguiles means to influence by trickery. So Satan is influencing us, influencing us with trickery. Could technology be trickery? It could be. But God enchants us. And What does that mean? Enchants means to delight us to a great degree. Satan beguiles us, God enchants us. I'm hoping that maybe one day uh, that maybe, maybe we'll figure out, maybe we'll wise up and we'll figure out, we've got to put some health hazards on these devices. <laughs> Do not use, we'll cause cancer, or something, something like that. Judy? Thank you. So here we are at church. Why do we come to church? Well, let me tell you the great thing about church is this. Here we are. We've been looking down at our problems. We've been dealing with our devices. And we take our eyes off of work and we walk through those doors. And we leave leave those problems. Leave that work. Outside. Let's just take a moment. I know. You're dragging in burdens. You're dragging in. All of those cares. That are on your shoulders. And you sit down in the chair. And you plop your burden next to you. And that's okay. We're glad you're here. But let's. Uh, Take some time. Sit down. Worship such a great God that we serve and give praise to him. Think about the Bible. Hopefully learn something to use in life. And hopefully we can encourage each other to continue being Christians for this next week to come when we're going to be onslaughted again everything that life throws at us and we will help each other and if you're having some difficulty that you need help with you call one of your brothers or sisters we're here for you we're here for one another so call reach out but while you're here let's think about how we can apply some of these things and as we're talking to each other how can we encourage each other to keep going in the week to come. At this point, I I would like us to bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for being great. We are enchanted by you. You say in Matthew that if we come to you and we can place our burdens on you because you know that we are weary And we carry heavy burdens. We thank you for the rest you give us. We pray that you would help us to to leave those burdens with you. And that you would take them and that we wouldn't take them back from you. Help us not to do that, Lord. We want to do that. I don't know why we want to carry our burdens. Let's leave them with you, Lord. And you want to free us from that. And help us to free ourselves by leaving them with you. And may you be worshipped, honored, and glorified, and may we learn something that we can apply and share with others around us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm, I'm using the concept of place your eyes on Jesus as um, being enchanted. Being enchanted with God. I'm um, doing um, basically John 14, roughly 18 through 28. Uh, This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples for pretty much the last time. These are his last words to his disciples. And I've tried to synthesize them down to a couple of things. But he's talking to them for the final time, right before he prays to the Father in the Garden, and and is taken away and tried and crucified, and resurrected from the dead. This is the background of w- what he's saying, and this is something that we need to. When life is hard, this is probably the hardest. I don't know about you guys, but. Don't you feel like maybe God has abandoned you when times get really hard? I know I have felt that way. And I praise God that they're just feelings. And I just pray that he will change my feelings. But he says, I will not abandon you. And no matter when he's talking throughout the Gospels, he seems to say, don't worry. I'm with you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you as orphans. So Jesus continually reassures his disciples, and by extension, he's reassuring us that he will never leave us. Not when the load at work gets too heavy. Not when there's a bunch of political things going on at work or in your life. He will never leave you. Even when we suffer, no, no, no. No matter of fact, I think actually suffering might actually bring you closer to Him because you are partaking in something in which He has come to... He's the suffering one. He's the one that has given Himself for us. And so when we enter into suffering, remember... You're entering into a part of Jesus that no one else will understand without going through the suffering. So we're entering Christ's suffering in our suffering. We're understanding him better. He will never leave us. When hard times come this week, remind yourself, he is with you. Jesus also then says that soon the world will no longer see me. I thought about that for just a minute, and actually, that's all I had up on my slide, was soon the world will no longer see me. I just left it like that, and I changed it later. But I was thinking of that. What would your life be like? Can you think of your life, and I know you can because you can think back, but what's your life like before Jesus came? What was that like? I don't know about you, but me? Life was not good. Where do you take your problems? Where would you take them? Well, you have to hold them inside, right? And then they're going to come out. Problems, (laughs) Problems, <laughs> funny thing about problems is that when you stuff them inside, what happens? They'll come out some way. But you have no place to take your problems. You have no place to go. Who do you ask for help? You've got no one. You can ask your friends to help you. Oh, that worked out, <laughs> that worked out really well, right? And when you think back at your time before you were a Christian, you, were help- you were ask your friends and your friends are too busy to really help you, Right? It's kind of like moving day. When moving day comes, you go, hey, yeah, I'm moving. Really, your true friends. That's when you find out who your true friends are is on moving days. Those are the people that come and help. Those are the people that will help you. And usually they're family members, usually. And family members would include us. And that I'm sure that many of you have helped each other. But soon the, no, the world will no longer see me, and I thought, it will no longer see him. They don't, they don't have a place to go. And not only will they not see him, but they will not see him any longer. That is it. They will not see him. He is going to cover his face, remove himself from you. If you're not a Christian, you will never see him. Until one day, on the very last day, when we're all judged, you will see him again. So, I, um, I think it's interesting that Jesus so quickly says, but you will see me. He wants to reassure his disciples that you will see me. And because I live again, you will also live again as well. And when I'm raised to life again, you will know. What will we know? What are we going to know by Jesus coming back from the dead? Well, we're going to know that he he is who he said he was, right? Has anyone else come back from the dead? Not without Jesus. (laughs) They haven't. You know, God has life in his hands, and he can bring people back from the dead. So that's what he does. And he says, I will live again. He's letting them know. You're going to be really depressed, and you're going to flee, and you're going to think that I have not told you the truth. But you will know when I'm raised from the dead. If He can raise um, us from the dead, I don't think our problems at work are so big, do you? Maybe we should keep that in in a context. But he is definitely preparing his disciples for um, their suffering. And I didn't intend this to be any kind of an Easter message, but (laughs) it kind of came out that way. Um, Judy? Thank you. Um, What I'm doing is I'm going to be quoting a lot of the early church fathers. This is Tertullian. Um, He said, The Lord challenges us to suffer persecutions, and to confess him. He wants those who belong to him to be brave and fearless. He himself shows weakness of the flesh is overcome by courage of the Holy Spirit. Did that make sense? He himself shows how how weakness of the flesh is overcome by the courage of the Holy Spirit. I love that. So there again, when we get into our week to come and things become difficult, it's okay. Our weakness is made strong by the Holy Spirit. And a Christian should be fearless. <laughs> we serve a God who is great. All things are in his control. Judy, thank you. John fourteen twenty I think this is on the note. Um, When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What's Jesus saying here? He's beginning to, um, to help his disciples see, and he's hinting at this deeper relationship available to them. That will come after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and indwells each Christian, and assures us that He is with us. Judy, this is Ignatius of Antioch, around 105 A.D. My dear, my dear Jesus, my Savior, is so deeply written on my heart that I feel confident that if my heart were to be cut open and chopped to pieces, the name of Jesus would be found written on every piece. I love that. I hope that for myself as well. Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now remember who's revealing himself. The great God of which no eye has seen, no creature can look at. He's going to reveal himself to each one of us. This goes back to an earlier passage in John thirteen, thirty-four and 35. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. This was the command. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus promises to reveal himself to us in the fellowship of, of, of other believers and in the fellowship with him each day via the scriptures and i would hope that that we're reading the scriptures on a daily basis because that's the main way that we get to hear from the lord and if you're not reading the bible every day hey find hey these devices do amazing things have it read to you while you're driving in the car you know hook up to some um uh, maybe sermon um, of a favorite preacher, or maybe have um, you know find some way to um, to get the Bible more and more in your mind. Um, because Athanasius of Alexandria, <clears throat> pardon me, he said the Lord did not come to make a display of Himself he came to heal and to teach suffering men. For one who wanted to make a display, the thing would have been just to appear, dazzle the beholders. But for him who came to heal and to teach, the way was not merely to dwell here, but to put himself at the disposal of those who needed him. Did you hear that? The great God that we're talking about, that I can't see, he's going to make himself disposal, to our disposal. We have access anytime, anywhere, any place. We can talk to him freely and that he hears us. He put himself at our disposal. Wow. That is an amazing idea. I mean, if we, if, if, if we drop that down and said, hey, you know, does the, governor, does the governor of California make himself disposal? Does he leave himself to your disposal? Uh, no. We're, and I'm glad you laughed about that. Thank you. That's my point. Um, how about the President of the United States? Is he going to make himself at our disposal? No. And as he's writing these words, um, Caesar, does Caesar make himself at the disposal of the people in the Roman Empire? No, he doesn't. And we're talking about someone far greater than that. He's making himself to our disposal. I find that incomprehensible. Do you find the enchantment? Do you see the enchantment yet? about our God, our great God? Judy? Thank you. If there is one point or one thing you can take from this sermon, I hope it's this. What I'm talking about is union with Christ. And I'm talking about something actually greater than we uh, even think of. Um, When Jesus said that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you, you love me, my Father will love you, it sounds kind of hard to, you know, it sounds like, well, what's he really trying to say? Um, Jesus is saying that the relationship between the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that Holy of Holies place, the only place where God resides, in the glory of God, where angels cover themselves to even be exposed partially to the glory of God. God is opening up the Trinity for what? For us. He's asking us to come and be in relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit within His glory. if that doesn't enchant you and blow your mind, <laughs> then maybe I'm not making myself very clear. <laughs> because that's an unheard of idea. You think about all the different worldviews. What God comes, dies for mankind to make it possible for you to be in a relationship with him without Any conditions outside of the fact that you just trust him and believe him and put your faith in him and follow him. That's all he's asking. Such a great gift. Free. Yes, I know people say there is no free lunch, and in the world there isn't any free lunches. But with God, I'm telling you, he's saying, place your faith in me, follow me, and I will love you, and my Father will love you. Is that what we need to know when we go to work tomorrow? That's what we need to know. So I guess part of, part of this is that he's bringing us into the fellowship of the Trinity in a place where no being has been, and he's, a, and, he's, and, and he's wanting us. He's standing on top of the water with his hand through it, going, I'm willing to pull you out. I'm willing to pull you out of your sinful world and save you from yourself so you can be with me because that's what I've created you for. If you, aren't, if you are not enthralled, enchanted by that, feel free to come on up here and pray with me after the service, okay? Because I'm, I'm going to be up here. I'm going to be up here praying with anyone that wants to come up and pray. I'm praying with you. And any of the elders will be happy to pray with you as well. But I hope you get a vision of that today. God is bringing us into relationship in the Trinity. In the glory that he has, he's making us a part of that. And what do we do here? But you're going. I don't see that in my world. No, that is a future event for us. But it's it is a it is a present reality for us today. Presently, we are living our lives face before the face of God. Even though we don't see Him, we're living before the face of God. Non-Christian, Christian, Christian, all are living. um, All are living before the face of God. Don't worry. Something happened at the office that's unjust. Something happened in your world that's unjust. Don't worry. It hasn't escaped God. Don't worry. God will take care of it. He is not going to be silent. People keep trying to stuff God anywhere to get him out of here. No, no, no. That's not what we do. I hope that's not what we do. So here's my question of application to you. Jesus is always with us, right? Right? Amen? Right. Because as his people, he indwells us. Here's my question. Are you taking Jesus with you? Are you taking him with you? Are you taking them to work? It's dangerous, isn't it? I think it's extremely dangerous. But like I said to one parent who had, he came from the Middle East, and he was a Christian man from Jordan, and he said, you better be careful. I looked at him and I said, brother, let me tell you, if I'm going down, I'm going down for Jesus. Because that's the only reason why I would ever go down. And if I go down, at least it's in the dignity of a, as being a Christian. At least it can be that. Because there's nothing else worth going down for. So what implications does this have for our life? Well, Ignatius of Antioch would say, in modern terms, I'm all in. How all in is he? Well, let's find out. He's writing a letter to the churches. He's saying, I'm writing you to, to all the churches, and I enjoin all, that I am dying willingly for God's sake. If only you do not prevent it. He's saying, if you're thinking about getting a hold of people that have influence, don't. Don't, don't be involved in that. Stay away. Let me die for Jesus. What? <laughs> so he's saying, I beg you. Do not do me an untimely kindness. Allow me to be eaten by the beasts, which are my way of reaching to God. I am God's wheat, and I am to be ground by the teeth of the wild beasts so that I may become the pure bread of Christ. Here's an application question. Does this kind of Christianity sound strange to you? I would hope not. I would hope that this is the kind of Christianity we know or that we're willing to do. We're willing to go down for Christ. But the first time I read that, I went, whoa, this does not fit in our feel good churches. Come on. You're telling us to throw ourselves into the very pit with the beasts. And we all know what the Roman um, Colosseum was all about. That was entertain <laughs> That's entertainment. <laughs> Let's throw some people to the lions and watch the lions chase them around and eat them. Well, they didn't chase them around because the Christians willingly stood there and let the beast eat them. Nero thought, darn Christians, can't even have fun watching them running around and trying to get away. Well, tell you what, I'm going to impale some of them, and I'm going to light them on fire and use them for my garden party, which he did. You know what impaling is, right? I don't need to get into that, do I? Yeah. Let's just say it makes an enema look like fun. (laughs) Sorry for the crudity of that joke. but um, So this type of Christianity shouldn't sound unfamiliar to us. Is this what Jesus meant? Is this what Jesus meant when he said that I am the way? The suffering way? Is the life... Here's another question for you. Is life suffering for us because we're we've got this hole in us. I don't know about you, but when I'm alone, I know I'm alone and I don't like it. Does anybody feel that way besides me? Is it just thank you, at least there's two of us in here? I don't know about you, but if you were really thinking there's a hole in us that was made by God and he intended to make that hole in us because there's nothing that's going to fit that hole, there's nothing that's going to fill that gap until we're with him. That's the thing that he's designed in us that's going to to motivate us to find him. We have found him and I know he's with me. But there's still that wanting to be with him. Is it the enchantment? Maybe. But suffering is his way. Suffering, I think life here is is suffering because we're not in his presence. We're not with him. We're not with the one we were made to be with. That's their suffering. Life is suffering. yeah this man was martyred when he was seventy three but but here's our note, and this would be in our notes. What is God's purpose for his people? To give glory to him, to be all in, to be a part of the relationship within the Trinity and to model our lives after Jesus. Judy? Jesus said, I am the way. Yes, he is. He is the way. Most of us just think of him being the way as he's the way to heaven, right? He's my way to go to heaven. But Jesus is saying far more than that. Because this isn't about me. This isn't about you. All of existence is about him. The way. Jesus is saying he is our example. That's what he also means by the way that we need to model our lives after. He's also saying that he is the one, he is the one, the God-man that brings us into the ultimate relationship of relationships, the relationship within the Trinity and and within his gloriousness. Living in relationship to the Trinity there is a rejection of the world here that is, um, that is part of what he is saying by if you follow me and I am the way, then there is a rejection of the world. And Polycarp put it like this. Let us therefore forsake the vanity of the crowd and the false teachings and turn back to the word delivered to us from the beginning. Scripture is God's revelation to us. contains the truth by which we must live. He also said that I am the truth. This is huge. I don't have the time to talk about how huge (laughs) this concept is. When Jesus said, I am the truth, that is an incredible statement. (laughs) And sometimes I think we ought to explore that. But Jesus is saying that he is the truth. All truth resides in him. And when you are the creator, and you know all things, he knows what is true and what is false. So like I said earlier, when we see injustice in the world, don't worry. It doesn't escape him. He is the truth. And don't worry, the truth will come out. He will have his way. Don't worry. He is the truth, and he will bring the truth to light. And how do we know this? We need to know our scripture. So there again, I'm 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 imploring you, please get into the Bible, even if it's just for five minutes a day. Even if it's just for one verse. Carry it around on a card. Read it a couple of times. Get the tr- get get the scripture of God in you, in your life. The scripture is God communicating his truth to us. And his truth is the truth, capital T truth, the ultimate truth. St. Jerome said, Ignorance of the scripture is ignorance of Christ. Make knowledge of the scripture your love. Live with them. Meditate on them. Keep them the sole object of your knowledge and inquiry. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Be enchanted with, with God. The enchantment with God comes through. That And that's interwoven throughout the entire uh, Bible as you read it and understand it. Jesus says, I am the life. Here, as with truth, life finds its origin in the, in the fu- and its fullness in Jesus. The brighter, pardon me, the bringer of life. He is, he is life. He is the creator. He is the one that created all life. All life is in him. And we could even get technical if we wanted to and talk about how he actually holds all the molecules and all of the atoms together. And I could say that, you know, I I, I thought about, you know, like lighting a candle and then blowing it out and you could see the wafts of um, smoke, you know, going in the air. He knows each one of those um, atoms by name and where they're floating to. And in three hours from now, he would know where those atoms are in this building and where they have gone and where they're going. (laughs) Is he the truth? Yes. Is he the life? Yes. He is the life. He holds all things together and knows where all things are. Nothing has escaped his attention. We have true life now that we are Christians. We're spiritually alive. We once were dead. And there are a lot of dead people walking around our world. I'm not talking zombies now. I I don't do the zombie thing. I know there are other people that do. Um talk about zombies. No. But the non Christians are considered zombies in a way, in the according to the Bible. So talk to a zombie this week. Maybe that could be. Um there's your tagline. Talk to a zombie this week. Present Jesus to a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should have been something that would have been on the um the the front of the sermon. Talk to a zombie, talk to him about Jesus. Christ has made it possible for us to live joyfully without anxiety. Why? Because we can place our burdens on him. We can place our troubles on him. He gladly takes them. He is the God, the great God. so don't be anxious. Look at him, and you will be enchanted with him. Jesus brings peace. I really love this slide. I think that is fantastic. I wish I were there, but that's a whole nother story. Anyway, John 14, 27. Um, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. I love that write that down. If you are an anxious person, write it down. Take that with you, pull it out wherever you are. I am leaving you a gift of peace. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. How can we have peace? He is being enchanted with God will bring peace to your, to your mind and to your soul here and now and later we will see him in his glory as he, as he brings us into fellowship with the Trinity. Colossians uh, 3, I condensed it down to the uh, minimal amount that I possibly could I said, think about the things of heaven. And this is Paul's advice to his Christian community. Think about the things of heaven. Real life is hidden in Christ. In God. God shows you to be a holy people. You must be tender-hearted, merciful, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. And always loving. Let The peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. And we should always be thankful. Fix our eyes on Jesus, our divine enchantment. This is from Hebrews 12. And it's kind of based on on um, Moses as Moses is leaving uh, Pharaoh. He's being chased by Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt. And it says about um, Moses in 11, 20, in Hebrews 11.27, it says that he by faith, Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going. Don't you like that? He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible on God. This is what we need to do. Let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Don't let it entangle you. Don't let your device entangle you. But let us run with endurance the race that was set before us, being enchanted by the divine, by Jesus, fixing our eyes on him. And I wanted to close with um, Ignatius of Antioch. I'm not sure you can read this, so I'll read it for you. Christianity is not a matter of persuading people of particular ideas, but, but Christianity really is inviting them to share in the greatness of Christ. It's inviting them to share in the greatness of Christ. So pray that I may never fall into the trap of impressing people with clever speech, but instead I may learn to speak with humility, desiring only to impress people with Christ, Christ himself. So invite people. Talk and, and, And we as a community, Chad, if you'd like to come up, um, as a community of believers, we need to be sharing our stories with each other because we would be sharing the stories of enchantment of God with each other. And it's in that we maintain our, um, we maintain our exuberance and our zeal for the Lord. Because sometimes I don't have a story for you that week, but you might have a story for me. Of how God has worked in your life, and um, Jane has been having a hard week, and we've been praying about stuff. She had a lot of running around to do, and yesterday she was at a store at, at Ralph's, you know, just picking up, you know, probably what we were all picking up—corned beef and hash. Um, and and so she ran into a lady that said that God had sent there for her to talk to, and she felt much better after talking to her because there's big things going on at work. And so that's why we need to share stories with each other. God has these appointments, these divine appointments for us with other people to share the gospel. So share those things with each other as we talk. Um, And God bless us.